Welcome to the Industrial Talk Podcast with Scott McKenzie. Scott is a passionate industry professional dedicated to transferring cutting-edge, industry-focused innovations and trends while highlighting the men and women who keep the world moving. So put on your hard hat, grab your work boots, and let's go. All right, once again, thank you very much for joining Industrial Talk, a platform dedicated to industry professionals all around the world. Because you are bold, brave, you dare greatly, you're changing lives, you're changing the world, and you're making the world a better place. And by the way, Micah, Micah, right? Yep, that's yeah, I got it, Micah. Uh, you, you, you know, this is the number one industrial-related podcast in the universe. And I'm not overselling that. It's all backed up by data. Of course it is. You got the shirt on. I got the shirt. It's, it's, I got, I'm, I'm owning the hashtag. <laughs> all right. As you can tell, we're gonna, you're going to hear some buzz in the background. People are heading toward uh, lunch. We are broadcasting on-site, Austin, Texas. This is the OMG event. And uh, we, we, uh, I was having a great conversation with Micah off off the, the mic, and, and it was like, uh, I don't even know what to call it, but Micah's in the hot seat. Let's get cracking. Digital twin is the topic of uh, conversation, and you need to know about it. There. That was good. There you go. All right, man. Digital twin. You guys, you know, you're, you're part of this OMG organization, of course. Well, yeah, we had that conversation, too. <laughs> but it, what's interesting is uh, just all the work that is done in these consortiums, Creating the standards, having the conversation, debating what it looks, and being able to do that in a, um, a productive way is always just fascinating for me. Yeah, there, I mean, it, it works. There's so many angles that people are coming at it from too. You realize every time you walk into a room, there's like ten different ways to think about the problem. Maybe a hundred, I should probably say. It, it never stops, and it's like uh, it, it's a, a use case palooza, right? <laughs> It's <laughs> just like, well, yeah, what about this? Hey, yeah, that sounds good. And we'll do it that way too as well. But anyway, before that we get uh, going into that conversation, give us a little background on who Micah is. Yeah, I'm Micah Callow. I'm the technical director for architecture, engineering, and construction at Esri. Esri is the leading creator of GIS software, geographic information system software. So for us, it's all about location. Oh, okay. Well, you see, you just summed that up really quick. I didn't even get a chance to write down notes, and you were already wrapping it up. And I'm told now all of a sudden I feel pressure, yeah, right? A little bit on me is I'm actually on the – I actually come from the industry side of things. Uh, I worked – I've been at Esri now for about three years. But prior to that, I was actually at um, Arcadis and also at Bechtel. And I did a lot of engineering-related work and geospatial-related work and a lot of technology-related work in the industry side of things. Uh, <laughs> So you've been around for a little while, and you've seen a lot of changes taking place, and that's that's pretty cool. It, it always, uh, I'll just sit here and I'll just uh, think, gosh, the the the, the wisdom, the, the the learning that goes on, the the collaboration, and and talking to other people, and I just I don't know. That's cool. It's cool stuff on this end. I like that <laughs> a lot. All right, you're here at the uh, this event, Q4 OMG. Um, Take us through and define just digital twin. Uh, I mean, there's so many definitions. That's where See, every, that's the point. Yeah, See? everyone starts somewhere. You've got to start with something. And for, for us, it's that digital representation of the object, the thing, the processes that are involved with it. So it's not just the thing, but it's what the thing is doing at that moment in time and then what it potentially could do into the future. And for us, it's really 
a lot about understanding the location of that thing because that's how it connects you to what's going on around the thing. So it's, we, don't, we don't all live in a vacuum, as we've talked about with the thousands of use cases that are here. I mean, there's so many things that people are trying to solve, uh, problems that they're trying to solve for. Yeah. So the reality is, is for us, Digital Twins is a way to kind of take what we've all been doing all along. So it's not like we're jumping from nothing to this idea of a digital twin. It's that we're beginning to start to make that connection of things that we've all got in our, our back pocket and in our systems and, and, and in back shops and on servers and God knows where. And we're bringing that all together under one roof and starting to, to be able to connect that information in order to solve these problems and start to think about things in, in a, more than an incremental change way, a, a, a kind of a jump forward way. The, the, what I, I can appreciate is being able to take that sort of virtual representation. So you got the, you got the. Let's say it's a building. You got the brick and mortar. It's yep. right there. I can touch it. I can you know walk on it. Whatever it might be, but then being able to convert that into a sort of a digital representation that is a twin of the brick and mortar, but be able to run also see things quickly and run simulations. Yep. And be able to do that effectively. That to me is a fascinating solution. Well, and, it, and for me, it goes even further, right? So a lot of people talk about, and it's mainly because it's where we're at at this stage. People are basically looking at the individual thing that they have an understanding of or that they're responsible for or that they're trying to control. But then I start to think about it like, well, step back, right? There's a million bit buildings in that city. That city has pipes and networks underneath it at scale. Oh, yeah. The roads have, mo people need to move around the city. Mobility, not just cars, right? So... In our parking lot here, we're looking at in this hotel, it's all about the car coming in and out. But what about the people moving around on the sidewalks? Can can they get from point A to point B safely? What do, What is going on on that traffic flow right now? How can I get safely to the location that I'm trying to move from and to? So that's all a part of basically starting to understand this. And it's that digital twin kind of at scale. And that's what, what Esri does so well. It's the geographic information systems. It's that understanding of mapping our world or the geographic approach, which is a foundational piece to basically being able to get to these real digital twins that are truly connected. I, I don't even know, because you're just, you just, you're, you're, you brought in so many different angles in that just, <laughs> that conversation right there. Yep. How do, I don't even know where to, I would begin. This is like, I mean, you just, do I just go over to that parking lot and make sure that that's efficient? I don't even know. Is that even worth it? I don't know. I think that's the interesting thing. I think we're going to have to start to think about how we surface this to an audience that doesn't necessarily understand BIM, right? Like, for example, right. GIS, right. Um, CMMS, all these technology buzzwords that we like to throw out that we rely on day in and day out to do what we do as either engineering firms or as operators who are operating these assets into the future. You've got to start to think about how you can connect those together and surface it in a way to keep it continuously kind of updated such that a basic user, my mother, would not have a problem understanding what's going on. How do I move from point A to point B? Where are the outages in the city today? Um, perfect case in point I heard in North Carolina this morning. There was a, uh, one of the transfer stations got shot up and it blew out the wow. electricity for the city for the last 48 hours, oh. right? So understanding that model, being able to understand what they need to do to fix that and what it means to connect the rest of the city, that's where the geographic approach really starts to come into play. You know, it's sort of odd because it, it, it's, it's like 
if you're doing your job well mm-hmm. and things are moving and, you know, it, 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 it's almost like that thankless job. <laughs> if, if a consumer, me, and it's all of a sudden, hey, how come the lights are blinking? Yeah. That's not good. I'm just supposed to say, hey, the lights are on. I don't even notice that the lights are on, right? Yeah. It, it's almost, it, it, it can't be noticed. Yes. It's just got to happen. And it's like, yeah, I went from A to B and it was, well, that was painless. Yeah. It's a bit of Wizard of the Oz kind of an approach, right? That's it. Right? It's who's it's, behind the curtain pulling the strings. That's where I think when we start to think about tapping into what we already do, and we already do mapping. We've been mapping the world for as long as humans have been around. We've been writing it on stone and tablet. Yeah. Um, we just have a lot better technology today, thankfully, and we can map and understand our world. Well, if all of these digital representations are on the Earth, which or even not, like, for example, let's say we're putting something on Mars. Everything, every problem has location at its center, period. Where you and I are sitting right now in this hotel room in Austin, Texas, and then in the two chairs that we're in, we have location, and then underneath of us is a lot of things that are going on. There's the city, there's the water supply, there's the electricity we're using for this. (laughs) I'm hyperventilating. I, I, again... When, when, and I'll put my, my, my customer hat on, and I come to uh, Esri, right? Did I say Esri, that? yep. Esri. And, and I don't, sometimes I don't even know my problem. Yeah. And then you're, you're trying to convert it into a, a sort of a digital representation. Very cool. Get yep. it. How, how do you, how do you approach it? I mean, I just, I don't. I think you try I mean, to make it's it. Just, then what, no, and, and then stick it in a, a, a server farm yeah. that is like the size of Australia. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's really about connecting with people where they're at, right? Like, so some people see the world in 2D, right? So let's say I'm the guy who's, who's responsible for the power lines and, yeah. I just, I, and there's an outage in the middle of the night. I just need the schematics to understand the connectivity. And I need to know in real time what is going on and what happens if I do something. So in that case, the guy might just need a schematic. That is a digital twin, right? That, that is a representation of that thing. It's got real-time sensors in it, and it's got control in it. Now, I also might be the architect or the planner or somebody who's trying to convince the stakeholders that we need to do something in a city, and in which case I might want to look at that world in more of a 3D fashion, something that's more realistic or reality-based. So it's not a one-size-fits-all, and quite frankly, talking as a software company, I get myself into trouble this way. It's also not a one software solution, period. There is no one vendor out there that solves all of these problems. It's a matter of, of how do we connect, which is why we're here at this Digital Twin Consortium. Yeah, you, you can't underestimate the, the necessity to collaborate, yeah. especially with, like, again, you, you've got, you know, it's a use case tsunami. And then because you guys, you and... And the rest of uh, OMG members just go back to your, you know, communities, and this is what you do. Yeah. You just think about it. You work in it. You're going, hey, that's pretty cool, and you just keep on. But but it then it, and then it speaks to the necessity for standards. Yeah. Because it could be the wild west out there, <laughs> and it and 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 not not to say the wild west is not bad, but but in the in in an environment like this where. It's rapidly changing. Yep. There has to be some sort of guardrails to a certain extent or defined. It's just like, okay, here, here we go. Something I feel like it's been thoroughly vetted yeah. and debated. 
with people who just live this stuff. Yeah, I think sometimes everybody is very myopic when they're starting to think about the problem they're trying to solve. Or sometimes, to be yeah, quite frankly, yeah. they're not even solving the problem. They're just trying to apply. They have technology and they're trying to apply it. So I think we've got to do a better job generally as a society about stepping back and understanding what is the true problem and really boiling it down to the people that we're solving for. And in most cases, it's either a consumer or a citizen. I mean, that's who we all work for, period. It's one or the other. And then understanding then from back up, okay, well, what does that mean? How do I, how do, what do they need? What technology do they need to solve this problem? How do we make it connected? How do we standardize so that we can communicate more effectively? Um, we need to quit building these kind of, I call them blind alleys, where people have built up technology and they take the data and they, they transfer. The problem we have is huge chunks of data are coming out now, right? Oh, we're yeah. talking 3D, we're talking oh, yeah, giant yeah, models. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now all of a sudden we've got this, we're taking all this data down a blind alley. And when we get that data down that blind alley, it's we can solve for the problem that we were trying to solve for. But then when somebody shifts, like you said, all of a sudden, it's like, well, what do I do? I'm kind of stuck. I, I see a problem, too, or a challenge is I, many. I mean, many. <laughs> Countless people. I, I don't even know I have a problem. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I just live. This is how I live. I don't know I have a problem. But then, but then you can come yeah. to the table and say, hey, what if you did it this way? Oh, all of a sudden, I, I, now I have a problem. <laughs> and you came up with a solution. Yeah. It's, it's also the realization that... Yeah. My, it's, it's odd. I had a boss a long time ago. Well, not a long time ago. It wasn't that long ago. What, you're 27? Uh, <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> no, a little older than that. I've been doing this almost 30 years. So it's kind of interesting. He said to me, um, I was oftentimes technology trying to find the problem to solve, right? That's been my career or had yeah, been my career in my early yeah. days. Yeah. And, he, and he, what he said to me was, is, look, the, most of the time the customers don't even know the problem that they need to be solved. They yeah. think they do. Right? So in a lot of ways, when we talk about building digital twins, it's not an all-technology thing. It's actually predominantly a people thing. What are the people in the, what are the issues? What are we actually trying to accomplish? And then we're applying the technology on top of that to help them understand their reality, characterize what's happening, uh, which is where what we do with maps and data come into play, right? So we start to understand and map it out in a way they can understand. Then we start to simplify that, and then we start to surface it and say, okay, here's what we can do with that, right? And you need to do that over and over again. It, can't, it can no longer be like build these monolithic data environments. It's about how do you build these continuously update, updated environments. And that's one of the issues that we see a ton is that people are just, they're building these things that are very silo driven. Like for example, a design engineer starts, opens up Civil 3D and he's got a blank drawing. It's, a, it's usually a black page, right? And it's like, well, wait a minute, that building or that bridge actually exists somewhere on earth and where it exists matters in what you're going to do. So why don't you use the understanding of our earth through the geographic approach and then start to build what you're going to build influenced by what it should be influenced by? Sounds good to me. <laughs> Quite frankly, what's interesting, and, and we don't uh, highlight it enough, I think it is a people equation. I, I've always been one that says, hey, the technology is the technology. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a will, there's a way. They're going to they're gonna, um, evolve the technology in such a way that it's the technology. Yep. It's always that definition of what the challenge is, what the problem that needs to be solved, and leveraging the technology, but it gets down to the people. Yeah. And having those 
those those conversations. Well, I mean, that's how you be successful. Is if you make people successful, make them how they can see understand how they can see each other's success and what they're doing. It starts to things start to happen. They start to connect. Um, the problem we have today is is that sometimes people don't even see that they could help each other in case in and they put themselves in an adversarial role almost like i'm controlling this you're controlling that building the kingdom kind of yeah, approach yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's when we start to talk about things at scale like i talk about when you start talking about intersecting the built and the natural world that's massive scales it influences and hits a lot of people so you it's really not about the technology we've got the technology part more or less worked yeah, out yeah it's the people part that we've got to work out and, and that just, uh, the only thing I can think of is, is that it's just a continuation of just uh, communicating yep. the technology, communicating the solutions, all of the use cases. What about this? Because I, I got I to gotta tell you, uh, you know, when I was uh, broadcasting from IoT just a, a number of years ago, mm -hmm. three years ago, four years or whatever it is, I can't keep track. The math is too hard. <laughs> anyway. The, significant, the, the changes that took place from when I had those conversations to today, yep. it's light years. Yeah. And, and, and me, just as a human being, yep. to be able to say, my gosh, I'm just still evaluating version one over here, yep. but you're on version 27. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't, it, it's a hard, but it, but it has to happen. Yeah. We talk a lot about uh, how, especially on the software side of things, that we're, we're at these events, we're talking about really innovative stuff. It's amazing, but the reality is sometimes we need to go back to the 101 class, right? Yeah. We're all talking at PhD level in some cases. Yeah. And if we want to make this at scale and we want to start to bring thing, everyone along on the journey instead of the select few, then we're going to have to start bringing it down to a level that See, they can understand. You're, you're preaching my language because yeah. I agree with you. You've got to, tell, you've got to paint that story. You can't, you can't just jump over here to... Fusion, yeah. When you don't understand the the you know the the the, the easier stuff to understand and take people yeah. on that journey, yep. so it's like okay, I get it. Yeah. I understand now. I can now I can look at my world mm -hmm. from the perspective of what I've learned and then be able to apply the technology to what is really meaningful. Yep. But I think the, the before we depart, I think the one last shot is you got to collaborate because this it's just it's a. It's a conversation, a collaborative conversation. Yeah, we, we leaders like you. Yeah, we talk a lot about. Um, it's interesting. Sustainability has come up in this kind of topic. Uh, it's kind of this all-encompassing topic because we want to do things in a more sustainable way. But the reality is, people always think about sustainability purely from an environmental perspective. Yeah. But it's sustainability means so much more than that, right? It's about your uh, business. It's about your health. Yes, it's about you as yes. an individual. It's about your organization. Yeah. It, it needs to be looked at in kind of a 360 degree, not just counting carbon, right? right. So the idea is, is that when we start to build out these things, we need to think about them differently. And for us, it's about as we build these new crazy infrastructure projects. Uh, I saw your tag over on your bag over there for Neom. Neom. Right? So you know, a lot of our customers and some of my colleagues are working on that project. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We, there, our technology is used to map out that project and understand it from a geographic perspective. Right. But those projects are mega, monolithic, huge. No, you, you, have no idea. Yeah. I just say, like, yeah, it's insane, right? right? So yeah. you've got to start to think about how do I do this in a way that it's going to be sustainable, that is equitable for the people that are involved, and it's going to be resilient when things change because 
we know things are going to change, right? Yeah. We've seen that all over yeah. the place. And that, yeah. again, that's where I bring back that built and natural world comment. I like this conversation. <laughs> you, you delivered it. Micah, how do people get... First, you got to get a hold of Micah. How do people get a hold of Micah? Uh, it's uh, Micah. So it's M-C-A-L-L-O-U-G-H at Esri.com. Or you can look me up on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. There it is. Well, we're going to have all the contact, your contact information out on Industrial Talk. So if you're not listeners, you got to reach out to, you've, you've got to educate, collaborate, and then innovate. you got to do that. That's so important. Micah, thank you very much. Thank you. You're going to be here till the rest of the week? I will be, yeah. There it is, man. I'm going to be waving at him. <laughs> all right, listeners, we're going to wrap it up on the other side. We're going to, remember, you got to reach out to Micah. You will not be disappointed. So stay tuned. We will be right back. You're listening to the Industrial Talk Podcast Network. Now that's a wrap. Thank you very much to Micah for joining Industrial Talk at the, that's Q4, Q4 OMG meeting in Austin, Texas. And and this is what I get from all of these conversations, especially from OMG. You need to be engaged. You need to be a part of the organization. You need to be able to have at your disposal all of these incredible professionals that truly are passionate about solving problems. You're, you're in a business, you're looking for solutions, you need to collaborate with these professionals as much as you possibly can. And your first step is really to just sort of go out to omg.org, that's omg.org, and see what it looks like. Root around the website. There's so much information about uh, OMG, about its membership. Uh, I'm just telling you, it, it's, a, it's a positive move for your business because you need to find these individuals who are also challenged by certain uh, problems that they're dealing with, but they're, they, they have at their resources, in, you know, professionals, solving problems. That's what it is. All right. You know what I'm going to say. Be bold, be brave, dare greatly. Hang out with Micah. Hang out with Micah. Hang out with people at OMG. And you're going to change the world. We're going to have another great conversation coming up shortly from that event. So stay tuned. We will be 